Greetings, friends and brethren. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. Before I begin today, I just want to thank all the people who listen to this broadcast. I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. And I really, um, you know, I've said this so many times. I would really, really love to hear from you. I know you're out there, but I never hear from you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this program to write me. Um, and, you know, if you really believe in this ministry, I'm asking you to support me financially. This is an expensive um, endeavor uh, to be on a non-Christian radio station. But I love teaching the Word of God. I love blessing the people. And so... Anyway, we have been in 1 Corinthians, as you know. We've been there for a while, and uh, we're getting through it. And then I don't know where the Lord's going to take us. It's, you know, I'm waiting to hear what will be next. But um, I think that this has been an appropriate chapter for us to talk, or book, actually, not chapter, but book, to talk about, uh, certainly in the time that we're living in. So, Father, we just come to you today. We acknowledge that you are the, the incredible teacher, the one who brings revelation and wisdom to our heart. Thank you, Father, for your word. Uh, we love your word. We cherish your word. We ask that, Father, your word would come and be a light into our path and be a lamp unto our feet, that you would guide us and strengthen us and teach us and help us to walk in your ways all the days of our life, especially in these evil days. And I bless all the people that listen to this program today. I bless them with a new heart, a fresh, fresh, fresh revelation of the word of God. And I just thank you for each one in Jesus name. Amen. We are going to do all of chapter 10 today. We will get through it. Um, well, we may not get through it, but I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it the old college try. So we've got Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and this is, um, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. So we'll starting in verse one, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and do not become idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them 
as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has taken, has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Let's just stop there and let's just talk about the verses we've just read. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 13. Now, when it says that all were baptized into Moses, um, that going through the Red Sea is considered Moses' baptism. We know that when John the Baptist came, he was baptizing people. But this is considers Moses considered Moses baptism as everybody was going as he led them through the Red Sea and over actually through dry land and absolutely demolished all of Pharaoh's men and chariots and horses in the water. Now, it says they all ate the same spiritual food. What was their spiritual food? Well, we know it was manna. Manna was the little wafer of coriander seed that came from heaven, dropped every day. And manna means, what is it? Because that's what they would say. What is it? Now, we know that they complained about manna. They really got tired of manna because each day fresh manna came. You could not store manna for the next day. It would just rot. So fresh manna every day fell from heaven for them to eat. They all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. And what was that drink? It was the spiritual rock of Christ. So when they cried out for water that they were thirsty, the Lord told Moses to strike the rock and out of the rock came enough water to quench the thirst of millions and millions of people. Little did they know, really, uh, they, they seemed to be fairly clueless about God. Um, for some reason, they were hard-hearted. And uh, it says in verse 5, God wasn't pleased with them. And he told them, you're going to die. You're, you're not going to come into the promised land. And that's exactly what happened. They had their bodies scattered in the wilderness. Forty years, they marched around. And then their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. They never entered the promised land because they were grumblers and complainers and they had no faith, none. Now it says, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Not only were they grumblers and complainers, but they lusted, they were idolaters. Let's just take a quick look at Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 25, verses 1 through 9, and we'll see what these Israelites in the wilderness did. All right, Numbers chapter 25. Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Here we go. 
They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bound, bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel, and those who died in the plague were 24,000. All right. These folks in the wilderness, they came through one of the most incredible. I, I can't even imagine having the Red Sea before me parted, walking across on dry land, turning back and watching my enemy be drowned. And then, you know, not too much long after that, you know, they they make the golden calf and then they get reprimanded for that. And, and now they're, you know, they're, they're committing harlotry with um, Gentile women and uh, sacrificing to idols, just like, just like the other folks. And, um, you know, the Lord just had enough. So he just took out 24,000. And that's why Paul refers to them and do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And that's exactly what they did. Then he says in verse 8, Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Which is what I was just reading to you in Numbers 25, 1 through 9. Then he says, in verse 9, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Um, Numbers 21, you'll go there with me and we can read this. And they were really a, a wild crew. This is Numbers 21. Verses 4 through 9. It says, Then they, they are the Israelites, journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. That's, that's, a, bad, that's, a, that's a bad thing to do right there. And this is what they spoke. They said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? 
For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. That's what they called the bread from heaven, which is a picture of Christ. He is our bread from heaven. And that's what the manna represented to them. But see, they loathed it. It says they loathed it. And they said it was worthless. Meanwhile, that's what fed them every day and kept them alive. Verse 6, so the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, obviously poisonous snakes, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, and when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So many, it says, the scripture says, many of the people died. You know, I don't know how much more, how many lessons they needed. They just, they just didn't get it. I mean, they committed harlotry, they committed idolatry, they worshipped and bowed down to idols of Baal, and 24,000 are taken out in, in a clip, and that isn't enough to put the fear of the Lord in them that they start complaining against Moses and against God. So he just sent fiery serpents to bite them, and many of them died. Okay. Um, verse 10, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Let's look at Numbers Chapter 14, and we're just going to look at verses 36 through 38. It says, Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land those very men, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Remember the 12 spies were sent out to spy the land. Remember, they all came back. Two had a great report. Caleb and Joshua had a great report. Ten of them had an evil report. What was so evil about it? Well, it was evil because it was totally unbelief. It was unbelief. The facts were correct, but their heart and their belief system was so out of alignment. They said they could not take these giants that they were just grasshoppers they called themselves grasshoppers and we can't take those giants 
See, that was absolute unbelief. And the Lord hates that. Boy, I could, that might be my next subject is unbelief. It's rampant in the church. I hear so much of it. Woo-wee. And the Lord hates it. He hates it so much that he just killed these men. That's all they did was give an evil report. The evil report was, we can't take the giants. When Joshua and Caleb came back, they said, we are well able to take those giants. But these men said, oh, no. Oh, the cities are great and the cities are fortified and there's no way we could ever take take that uh, promised land. Actually, what they were saying was this. Our God isn't big enough, strong enough, mighty enough to take out the giants. That's basically what they were saying because they had no belief in God. They had no belief. They had no trust. They had no faith. So... Verse 37 says, those very men, 10 of them, who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague right before the Lord. He had no qualms about wiping them out. But Joshua and Caleb remained alive, and they were the two only adults that went into the promised land out of millions. That should tell you something. Okay, let's turn also to Romans 15 and look at verse 4. Paul writes to the Roman church, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. He's talking about everything written in the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. He's, he's, you know, writing letters that end up to be part of the New Testament, Paul's letters. But all they have is the Old Testament. And he's talking about the Old Testament. He said those things that were written before, they were written for us to learn from. See, when you read the scriptures, when you read the story about these 10 men, see, that should put the fear of the Lord in you. That you would never want to walk in unbelief. You would never not want to trust God. You would never not want to have faith that he could do what he says he could do. That he does the impossible. These stories were written for our admonition and for our learning. That through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. All right. Then Paul writes, um, he says, uh, verse 14, we'll start there. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Well, of course, he wants us to flee from idolatry because we just read about what the idolaters did and God took them out. He says, I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break? Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? 
What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather that the things with the gent rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? See, Paul, what he's saying is, you know, when you take the cup of the Lord, you're taking communion, right? You're drinking of the wine or you're drinking of the juice. Um, you're partaking of that cup of redemption, of salvation that the Lord paid with his body and blood for you. And then you turn around and you, um, you know, when he says drinking of the cup of demons, you can't, you can't, um, you know, he says, what has light to do with darkness? What has, look at, um, look at Second Corinthians chapter 6. Just look at verses 14, 15, 16. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord or agreement has Christ with Belial? That's Satan. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. He's trying to make a point here. If you're drinking of the Lord's table... You can't turn around and start, you know, doing things that are in agreement with the devil. And literally, you know, drinking of the cup of demons, things that have been sacrificed to demons. Look at, uh, let's just look at Deuteronomy 32. Two verses 17 Moses this is the song of Moses so he's writing a whole big long thing here and he says he says they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods with abominations they provoked him to anger they sacrificed to demons not to God to gods they did not know to new gods new arrivals that your fathers did not fear of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. So you see, back then they sacrificed to demons. That's why he's saying here, you know, uh, that's what the Gentiles do. They sacrifice to demons and not to God. And he doesn't want them to have fellowship with demons. So it's just a warning. It's just to say, hey, pay attention. Don't do that. He says, all things are lawful for him, verse 23, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify or build me up. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. 
for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you. And for the conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Fullness. Verse 29, conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I gave thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jew or to the Greek, meaning the Gentile, or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. We talked about this in another chapter. Um, but what he's saying is, you know, when, if, an, if a person that does not know Jesus invites you to their home, don't even ask. Just eat what's set before you for conscience sake. OK, but if they tell you, hey, this has been sacrificed to idols. Whoa, don't touch it. Not for your conscience, but for the other person's conscience. See? Don't eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for their conscience sake. See, it's not about your conscience. It's about theirs. It's not about pleasing you. It's about making sure you don't offend them. Because he says in verse 32, give no offense. Don't give offense to anybody. These are non-believers. These are Jews that don't know Jesus. These are Greeks, Gentiles that don't know Jesus the Lord and he's saying don't give offense to them because he's not seeking his own prophet Paul but he's seeking the prophet of many that they may be saved so it just you know if there's meat sold in the market don't ask questions just just do just eat it just eat what is set before you don't ask any questions about it but if they happen to tell you well that's a whole that's a whole different ballgame so I hope that makes sense because um, he's saying, look, all things are actually lawful for him, but not everything is helpful and not everything will edify or build up. In other words, he could eat all those things, you see, but he's saying it wouldn't be it wouldn't be helpful. And in many times it would not build up. It would it would be a problem. So it, I know it sounds like he's saying one thing and then saying another thing, but um, he's trying to explain that if, you know, the whole difference is that Gentiles will sacrifice their food to demons. Now, not everybody did that, but many who were idolaters did, who, who served, you know, pagan idols, they did sacrifice their food. To demons and not to God so you know ultimately he doesn't want them to have fellowship but hey if somebody invites you over to their house just eat what's before you unless they tell you I did sacrifice this to idols and then you're gonna have to say mm, 
not going to be able to eat that. Okay, next week we're going to get into chapter 11, and boy, is that going to be a controversial thing about women with head coverings. Oh, boy. Paul writes a lot of stuff that really, <laughs> really causes us to have to question things, but that's okay. The Word is the Word, and we love the Word. So this is Don Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. I certainly bless you. Look forward to hearing from you. You can write me at Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, P.O. Box 85. Really simple to remember, 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. That's Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I would love to hear from you, and I would certainly be blessed um, if you desire to bless this ministry. So I look forward to being with you next week. And with that, shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.